Hello, I'm Noel Lim on ASEAN Speaks by Maybank. Malaysia's upcoming general elections is the most exciting with significant multi-cornered fights and a 40% jump in the number of registered voters. Meanwhile, Singapore avoided a technical recession, but inflation risk remains elevated and another round of tightening is expected. Head of Fixed Income Research, Vincent Poon, discusses with our analysts on the road ahead. Hi, good morning everyone. It's 8 o'clock on Monday. A quick recap for last week. Global equities declined as U.S. core inflation increased by more than forecast to a 40-year high in September. Adding to the concern is the University of Michigan survey, which showed that inflation expectations for the next one year and for the long term also increased, probably pressuring the Fed Reserve to hike rate more aggressively to curb price pressures. The S&P 500 fell 1.6%, Nasdaq down 3%, Eurostoxx 50 almost flat. The Hang Seng Index plunged the most um, by 6.5%, and ASEAN equity markets uh, were down by between 1% and 3%. Market pricing on the terminal Fed funds rate has now increased to 5%. The US Treasury curve bear flattened, uh, waived by the sharp sell-off in UK guilds last Friday, because the Bank of England confirmed that it will end its temporarily bond-buying program. The two-year U.S. yield increased to 4.5% and the 10-year U.S. yield increased to 4%. Uh, Crude oil futures weakened. West Texas intermediate dropped below $86 a barrel. On FX, the dollar extended its gain. Japanese yen weakened by an additional 2.4% versus a dollar to about 149. Japan finance minister issued a statement and expressed concern about high volatility and one-sided movement in yen because disorderly FX market can have adverse implication for the economy and also financial stability. ASEAN FX all weakened versus the dollar, except for Sing dollar, uh, which strengthened following the MS recentering of the senior ban. On UK, a Prime Minister Liz Truss fired Kwasi Kwarteng as UK Chancellor, replacing him with Jeremy Hunt and make a dramatic U-turn on her tax plan in an attempt to repair the damages in market confidence. According to Oz Checker, there's a 40 to 50% probability that she will leave her job as UK Prime Minister by the end of 2022. Bank of England Governor Bailey, speaking at the IMF event in Washington, warned that a tight labour market may make inflation more persistent. On China, the five-yearly party congress started on Sunday and will last for about one week until the 22nd of October. Uh, In his opening speech, which lasted for about two hours, President Xi defended the dynamic COVID-0 policy. And in addition to uh, President Xi's reappointment as party leader for a third term, the market will also watch for new leadership lineup uh, in the party, which typically is released after the conclusion of the party meeting. For Malaysia, similarly, political temperature heats up because parliament was dissolved to open door for GE15. The election commission will meet this Thursday to decide on the polling date. Meanwhile, the dollar ringgit spot crossed the 470, reaching another new high, and it is not far from the all-time record of 477 in 1998. Uh, Looking ahead this week, we have uh, China's third quarter GDP on Tuesday, 
Bank Indonesia rate decision on Thursday, and also Japan will release a CPI report uh, on Friday. And this morning, we have Sohaimi, Chiuhan, and Xiaoyang to comment on GE15, uh, Habin on Singapore MS policy, uh, Anand on ASEAN equities, Chiting on plantation, and Daphne on Philippines uh, sugar sector. And let's start with uh, Suhaimi uh, for GE13. Uh, sorry, GE15. Uh, Suhaimi, you wrote a report um, on Malaysia politics um, heading to the elections. Uh, what are the key things should we watch out for? And uh, what is your expectation on potential scenario uh, for the results? And how will they affect government policy, such as the fiscal policy, tax, and also government spending? Good morning, everyone. Um, the report is basically a collabor collabor collaborative effort by Malaysia Research Team. So from the report, we highlighted several things to watch that could affect GE15 um, outcome. First is um, this election likely see a lot of multi-corner contests as opposed to the straight fight between BN and PH in um, GE14. Secondly, Voters turnout and election results may also be influenced by the big increase in new voters uh, following the lowering of the eligible age of voting to 18 now from 21 previously, as well as the automatic uh, voters registration. So I think since uh, GE14 up to latest available numbers, the numbers of registered voters have shot up by over uh, 40%. Uh, there is also better access to voting in GE15 as um, this election will see polling hours extended by one hour. And additionally, all Malaysians living abroad, age 18 and above, are now able to enroll themselves for postal voting as soon as uh, registrations open. In terms of outcome, we listed four plausible uh, results. Uh, one scenario is uh, you have Amno led BN winning the most numbers of the 222 parliamentary seats, but still short of a simple majority of 112, perhaps necessitating it to team up with Sarawak's GPS and uh, pass, and possibly Bersatu led BN if uh, Bersatu is able to win some parliamentary seats. Uh, to form a simple majority government. Another scenario is AMNO led BN together with Sarawak GPS secure better than simple majority, mainly at the expense of PAS and Bersatu and potentially winning some PH seats under PKR and Amana and DAP in the case of Sarawak's parliament seats. Uh, third scenario is uh, Anwar led PH on its own or in some form of bigger opposition alliance wins a simple majority or potentially strong, formidable, convincing uh, majority. Uh, the last scenario is what we call uncharted waters with a totally new rather than a tried and tested coalition government. So we should not rule out the potential scenario of the previously and even currently unthinkable alliance within the likes of AMNO, DAP and PKR, for example. But the other possibility is a minority government Due to hung parliament outcome or a stalemate among parties in forming a coalition government uh, with a simple majority. From a macroeconomic 
policy perspective, we see some perhaps common grounds in terms of government's key policy agendas. Uh, we expect any government form after GE15 uh, to maintain or remain committed to fiscal consolidation, although the tax policies could be very well different depending on the outcome. Uh, for example, under scenario of a PN-led government goods and services tax or GST can be expected to make a comeback uh, to broaden and diversify income sources for sustainable government revenue and reduce the reliance on the volatile commodity-related uh, taxes or revenues, especially the oil and gas-related incomes and patronage dividend, as well as those one-off revenue sources like Chukai Mamo and a special voluntary disclosure program. However, GST may not materialize under scenario of a PH-led government because PH scrapped GST after winning GE14 in 2018. And their statement recently also opposed the return of GST. Instead, a PH government's tax policy may well be that of taxing wealth and profits by, for example, expanding or broadening uh, capital gains tax and windfall profit tax be be beyond the existing uh, real property gains tax and the windfall profit levy on plantations. Um, in terms of government expenditure, we think populist measures, especially cash handouts program for the lower income group will continue, but we also expect uh, assistance to become more targeted as per the subsidy restructuring to a more targeted mechanism and the optimization of the various social safety net and welfare uh, programs. We will also be on the lookout for stronger reforms in government procurement with more open tender and check and balance to be implemented as well as introducing uh, government procurement act. The secondly, major infrastructure project should continue. Um, projects that are now under construction, like East Coast Railing, uh, Gemas JB Electrified Double Track, uh, JB Singapore Rail Transit Link, Penbonio Highway, um, and as well as four projects where tenders have started like MRT3. In fact, uh, we think a strong win by AMNO BN could see revival of Singapore Kuala Lumpur high-speed rail project and the related uh, Banda Malaysia development with possible extension of the high-speed rail track to the northern international borders of the peninsula. Um, I think we, we can expect the next government to narrow the interstate gaps on socio-economic, human capital and infrastructure developments through higher share of government development allocations to the develop, less developed states for basic infrastructure as well as focusing on improving quality and delivery of essential public services like education and healthcare. Um, last but not least, I think with sustainability being the buzzwords these days, any government form after GE15 will no doubt make sustainability a key policy agenda. Government policy aside, uh, how about monetary policy? Do you think an early election will change um, BNN uh, MPC meeting decision in November? Um, on BNM monetary policy, our review our view remains. PR will reach three percent early next year. So after three successive OPR hikes of twenty five basis point each in May, July, and September, totaling seventy five basis points, that raised OPR from record low of one point seven five percent 
to two and a half percent currently, we'll see another 25 basis point hike at the MPC meeting on 2nd, 3rd November, uh, followed by another 25 basis point increase uh, early next year. Thanks, Suhaimi. Uh, on the same topic, we'll loop in uh, Chuhan and Xiaoyang on Malaysia equity. Um, Chuhan, continuing with what was shared by Suhaimi, how the equity market has performed so far after the announcement of GE15 and what is your expectation going to the polling date? Any differentiation by sector? Yeah, okay. Hi, thanks uh, and good morning, everyone. Now, um, last week, um, the market was actually weak. Uh, it was down one over percent. Um, and um, that moving forward, I think leading to polling date, uh, which could be about five or six weeks from now, we do expect the market to be cautious, cautious buyers to trade with a cautious buyers. I think if you look at valuations, the KLCI is now, after last week's uh, selling, the KLCI is now trading very close to minus two minus two standard deviation below mean already. So this actually is um signal that the market is actually very much oversold. But having said that, we do think that uh, foreign investors, they have also been selling uh, last week. We do think that uh, the foreign selling could actually um, persist uh, for a while leading to polling date. That's also because of the uh, highly uncertain outcome of the uh, GE15 outcome. Uh, the, the GE15. Now, um, in terms of the sector, um, we we actually look at the sectors under the three uh, possible uh, under the four scenarios uh, that uh, Suhami has highlighted. That is post GE or after the uh, after the GE. Now, in all the scenarios uh, we do, and um, for most of the sectors, we don't think that they will be impacted. Um, existing issues uh, need to be addressed by the new government. It needs to be continued to be addressed. Now, having said that, uh, for the construction sector, uh, although we think that the um, projects under construction and those that have tendered uh, will not be impacted, regardless of uh, scenario one, two, three, or four, uh, we do think that the timeline, in the award timeline for projects under tender could take a while longer under um, scenario four. Now, under for construction sector also under scenario one and two, we do think that there could be more development allocation from the federal government to Sabah and Sarawak. Now, similarly for the automotive and the renewable uh, sectors, we think that regardless of scenario one, two, three, and four, um, policies will remain. For example, electric vehicle related policies will remain for the automotive sector, whereas for renewable, uh, the capacity that will be awarded new capacity or quota for RE uh, will continue to, to be given up regardless of scenario one, two, three, and four. Now, as for the other sectors, the bigger sectors like banks, um, we do think that uh, banking operations are unlikely to be disrupted, disrupted relate, uh, uh, regardless of scenario one, two, and three, and four. Uh, for consumer, um, as we have, uh, Suhaimi has highlighted, consumer friendly measures are expected to continue regardless of uh, scenario one, two, three, and four, especially cash handouts and a financial assistance program. And uh, here we actually maintain our uh, positive uh, uh, call on the sector with uh, quite a number of buys. Um, for sectors which are apolitical, are the uh, glove sectors, all right, um, healthcare, um, that also goes for petrochemical, plantation, 
the um, we, the technology sector. Um, we do think that regardless of uh, what's the outcome of GE15, um, we don't think that they will be severely impact impacted. Now, for the telco sector, um, under scenario one and two, we expect the regulator to continue focusing on shoring up Malaysia, Malaysia's digital infrastructure. All right, under scenario three or even four could potentially result in Malaysia's 5G develop, uh, deployment model coming under review again. Um, and um, under scenario three, uh, in particular, there is also the possibility of the government seeking higher spectrum fees. Now for the utility sector, uh, in relation to electricity tariff surcharges, we do expect the new government to continue subsidizing regardless of scenario one, two, three or four. And um, scenario three, uh, that means a PH uh, led victory uh, could see the reintroduction of various market liberalization measures for the retail segment in particular for the power sector. Now, if you recall, under the PH government, uh, they were uh, a keen advocate of uh, market reforms. Um, and um, for the gas industry uh, being you know, already liberalized, we do expect operations of the gas utilities to remain stable regardless of scenario one, two, three, and four. And lastly, uh, there are some uh, decisions which are pending right now. And uh, that relates to, that includes that of uh, tariff hike, water tariff hike in uh, Johor. We think that the conclusion of a GE15 uh, may eventually see a water tariff going up in uh, Johor. And uh, this would actually be uh, positive for one of the listed stock there, uh, which has been uh, waiting for this uh, hike for, I think, since the last three, four years. We make no change to our sector calls as well as our stock calls uh, following the dissolution of parliament. Okay, uh, thanks, Chiu Han. Um, Xiaoyang, Malaysia Aviation. Uh, to what extent you think the GE15 will help on flight traffic? Do you see this as a major catalyst to the sector? Hi, Vincent. Good morning. So the what we have seen in the past is that passenger traffic tends to rise as voters return to the voting constituencies to vote. Um, this is especially true for voters who come from Sabah and Sarawak. I mean, the only way for them to go home uh, in, a in a reasonable amount of time is basically to fly only. So what we have, uh, what we have observed in detail is that during the MAHPs and passenger traffic grew 80% while capital A's and Malaysia Air Asia's passenger traffic grew 11%. During G14, Malaysia Airports' uh, passenger traffic grew 3%, while capital A's Malaysia Air Asia's passenger traffic grew a similar level. Now, the good thing about this is that it appears that the passenger traffic grows uh, structurally, meaning passenger traffic does not ease OGEs, uh, but continues, uh, but stabilizes or continues growing. And what we also saw is that there was a short-term impact on fares, so fares were up for a while before easing after the election. So we hope that these, uh, these observations that we made uh, during G14 were also uh, during G15. That being said, we think it could be a little more uh, it could be a little less potent than G13 and G14, 
for one, we don't expect voltage to not to be as high because at press time, six of uh, the uh, six of the states in Malaysia have chosen not to. At least six of the states have chosen not to dissolve the state assemblies, so voters are not so likely to return. We're still expecting uh, you know, uh, a positive impact on the aviation sector. So this is an event that can't be can't possibly be, you know, be bad for the aviation sector. So we, we remain positive on the aviation sector by calls or MAHB and capital A. Okay, uh, thanks, Xiaoyang. We'll move to Habin on Singapore. Uh, Habib, Singapore released its third quarter GDP last week and also updated the inflation outlook. Can you share the, the key takeaways? Hey, hi, morning. Yeah, so the MES uh, on Friday tightened for the fifth time um, since October last year, uh, this time by just uh, recentering the sink near to the prevailing level. Uh, the slope and width of the band was kept unchanged. We estimate that recentering is about 2% above the previous midpoint. Um, on the inflation side, I think that's the part that the uh, MES is now um, you know, clearly very worried about. I think previously the guidance was more about inflation peaking in the fourth quarter, but now the MES expects core inflation to remain elevated with upside risk over the next few quarters, even amid a below-trend GDP growth next year. Uh, so it expects the policy move to build on past tightening moves. As a result, we think that April next year, we could see another six um, Round of tightening, even though uh, you know growth could be weaker. Uh, their new inflation forecast, they're looking now for core to be around four percent. That's the top end of their previous range, six percent for headline, also at the top end of the previous range. And their forecast for next year is uh, still pretty high. For core, it's three and a half to four and a half. Basically, expecting core to persist roughly where it is today, and five and a half to six and a half. Um, and MS warned of upside risk from its forecast from the fresh commodity global price shocks and second round effects from prolonged elevated inflation. On the GDP growth, it came in above our expectations, 4.4%. Uh, we were looking for 2.2 and possibly a technical recession. So the MS avoided a technical recession. Uh, we're a bit surprised that um, they used a, a flash estimate of manufacturing of 1.5%, which implies that electronics and manufacturing probably rebounded in September. We'll get those figures um, in two weeks' time, but we are waiting uh, before we, we uh, probably uh, revise our GDP growth forecast, uh, simply because this runs contrary to the PMI for manufacturing and PMI electronics, which have both slipped. In. And we think that contraction will persist into the fourth quarter. Uh, the pleasant surprise was really on the services side, especially um, that related to the reopening, uh, combination of food services, real estate, admin support services, and other services. Accumulative together grew 9.2%. Uh, so that really helped uh, lift growth. Do you expect MS to tighten again in April? Yeah, given the very elevated uh, inflation forecast that they have guided for, uh, we are expecting the MS to uh, tighten again in April, probably via another recentering. 
Thanks, Habin. Uh, we'll move to Anand on ASEAN equities. Anand, uh, can you share the key developments or any update to our calls? Uh, also, what I find interesting is um, Indonesia equity market so far is an outperformer. But I think your recommendation is to reduce equity exposure <clears throat> in the market. Uh, can you share the rationale and also what is your take on Vietnam stock market after the sharp sell-off in recent weeks? Sure. Hi, guys. So I think the recommendation on Indonesia in particular, um, you know, this has been a pretty recent recommendation to start taking some money off the table. As you can see from figure two here uh, in our ASEAN uh, Plus uh, publication on Friday, uh, Indonesia remains an anomaly, a positive anomaly in the sense that it is the only uh, ASEAN and Asian market to be showing an absolute upside year to date in local currency terms. Uh, and even in US dollar terms, it is the best performing market, uh, even though uh, on that uh, on that benchmark, it's down about 3% year to date. So, you know, the market has been doing very well and it has also been attracting a lot of foreign uh, inflows. You can see from figure four here, uh, the, uh, you know, the brown bar, uh, it is the biggest recipient uh, of foreign inflows into the equity market uh, in ASEAN. So a lot of good news is already baked in. I think the, the market recognizes the uh, proximity to uh, the commodities trade for Indonesia, also, the domestic demand advantage it has as a lot of trading partners for the region start to enter you know, a sharp slowdown in growth and hence uh, trade prospects. So it feels a bit defensive from that perspective as well. So I think you know, a lot has been uh, baked into the price at this point in time. And we're saying you know, there are some road bumps up ahead. A big one is the fact that Indonesia has raised uh, fuel prices by 30% uh, a month ago. Uh, and that's going to have an inflationary impact into 2023, and that's going to pressure margins uh, and demand. So we are seeing some potential downside to, to our earnings forecast. And the other uh, issue is, you know, Indonesia generally doesn't do well when there's a sharp tightening uh, in global uh, financial conditions because its capital market is, is fairly underdeveloped compared to a lot of uh, its, its neighbors like Singapore and Malaysia. So, you know, moves can be very volatile. So for those two, uh, from those two perspectives, we think uh, take some money off the table now and wait for pullbacks to accumulate again. Um, thanks, Anand. We'll move to cheating on plantation. Uh, crude palm oil prices seems to have stabilized at around 3,000, 4,000 per ton recently. What is your outlook on the sector? Morning, Vincent. Yeah, the price are indeed uh, stabilizing and trading around 3,500. 4,000 ticket of date. Downside from here presently buffered by the low CPO price itself, uh, which CPO price is currently trading more than 500 US dollars per time discount to whether it's US or oil, but you know, for all of the government uh, rates in oil. On the other hand, the upside is kept by the high inventory of palm oil region. Just last week, uh, Malaysia Palm Oil Board announced its September stockpile. We hit a 35-month high at uh, 3.32 million tons, which was 11% higher compared to a month ago and 32% uh, higher than a year ago. Although this was a seasonal, a seasonal build-up in inventory as output is typically strongest during this time of the year, the market remains concerned that October stockpiles will go even higher if the pace on exports do not pick up. Exports of palm oil from Malaysia did facing stiff competition from Indonesia, which uh, has excess inventory buildup caused by the export ban and restriction imposed uh, in the first half of this year. Given that there is uh, no reliable stockpile data from Indonesia, 
despite it being the largest producer and exporter of palm oil in the world, the market continues to use malicious NPOB data as a proxy for price discovery. Hence, given the uh, present expectation of a further build-up in NPOB uh, inventory for the month of October, we think secure price will continue to trade sideways in the short term. The wider than historical average price gaps between CPO and other vegetable oils are justified for now, given the large power stockpile and a peak output cycle. The huge price gap is needed to boost the demand of palm oil and flush out the bloated inventory in Indonesia uh, during this season. Just last week, the Australia Bureau of uh, Meteorology reiterated its view that the Nina is likely to persist into the early part of 2023 and the negative Indian Ocean dipole event will continue to uh, un will continue until the end of this year. The combination of Lanina and negative IOD are likely to bring above average rainfall to Malaysia across uh, this region. This prompted the Malaysian Med Department to warn of possible flood risk for parts of Malaysia in November and December this year, which in turn may disrupt uh, palm oil supply and be supportive of CPO price. And across the globe, uh, Lanina could also impact South Americans' ongoing planting and eventual harvest in the first quarter of next year. And the market is presently anticipating uh, a large harvest from South America on the assumption of a normalized weather. So if I can summarize what I said earlier, this uh, CPO price will continue to trade sideways for now. Uh, we believe CPO price should recover somewhat by year end due to the wet weather risk. And as the market looks forward to first quarters of 2023's anticipated seasonal low output cycle. Okay, thanks, uh, Chiting. We'll move to Daphne on Philippines sugar sector. Uh, you wrote a report uh, where the high sugar prices has stirred debate on whether to raise more export, uh, raise more imports um, to make domestic sugar prices uh, competitive. Uh, how important is the sugar industry to Philippines economy and um, do you think import is the right solution? Well, the Philippines produced um, $850 million worth of sugarcane in 2020, making sugarcane the fifth largest crop in the country in terms of value behind rice, bananas, corn, and coconut. So the Sugar Regula Regulatory Administration estimates that sugarcane is planted across um, 398,000 hectares of land in the Philippines and providing income to half a million workers. And as of the end of last year, there were 25 millers and 12 refineries nationwide, largely concentrated in the Visayas region, which produces 65% of the country's sugar output. However, the local sugar industry is weighed down by a lack of productivity and low competitiveness attributed to the lack of economies of scale and the restrictive Kidan system. So as early as June of this year, the SRA has already flagged a 16% year-on-year decline in, in the uh, September 2021 to August 2022 milling season output, with sugar production down to 1.8 million metric ton and is insufficient to meet the country's 2.5 million metric ton consumption. So as such, retail prices for refined sugar in Metro Manila wet market, searching 100 pesos per kilo or up 85% year on year by mid of August. So the sudden spike in uh, sugar prices, if not immediately addressed, could further exacerbate the country's already worrying inflation levels. Okay, uh, thanks Daphne and thanks everyone for joining the call. Have a good week.
Check in with your trading rep and download our research reports on Market Insight in the Maybank Trade app. I'm Noel Lim on Nazian Speaks by Maybank.